<laughs> at home. <laughs> yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 30. This is an amazing passage. We referenced this last week's. So this is kind of a continuation of last week's message. Um, so, so last week we read uh, Romans 10, right? Amazing, amazing verses by the Apostle Paul. And just talking about the importance of the word of God in my life. And just as Ivan was speaking, and just as we have realized ourselves, how many of you guys would like for God to be personal in his word with you? I mean, wouldn't we like that? Like God to speak something personal. You know, when we say that, we can often very quickly jump to, and you know, my, my, my roots are maybe a little more Baptist, you know. I'm from New England, so we eat meat, potatoes, we work hard, and uh, we're very Baptist, you know. We're just like, you know, we don't raise our hand in church, you know, very serious. Maybe we'll smile or say something occasionally. But that's how I grew up. And when I think about God being personal and speaking a word to me, it can become very abstract. And I very quick jump to a different denomination, and I began to think that way, like, oh, no, oh, no. But do you know what? God being personal to me, it should not be abstract. It should not be abstract. It should almost be normal. And, and I love um, that book, The Normal Christian Life. Like there is a way that God should be involved in my life and it should be normal. And I would love for God to be like that to me. And I feel that he is. But at times he's not. But we want to cultivate a relationship with God where he is more often speaking clearly to me. And Deuteronomy chapter 30 is an interesting chapter because all of Deuteronomy, you know, Moses is talking about the law, right? And there's something to be said there. And now he's coming to the end of the book of Deuteronomy and starting in verse 11, he says, For this commandment which I command you today is not, and I like this in the, in the New King James, says, is not too mysterious to you, nor is it far off. You know, when we were in China, and sometimes we would be out in the villages, and we'd be talking to people about the gospel, and they actually would say this very exact thing. They would say, these things of God, these things of spiritual matters, they are too mysterious, and they are too far for us. How does this God affect me in my rice fields? I mean, that's what we were dealing with. I mean, I'm sure you saw that in, in Cambodia, right? Very simple people. Life is very simple. And they would think, this is too mysterious. This is too far off. But God here is saying that this is not. And we're going to get into that in a minute. Let's continue reading verse 12. So it is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us? And bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word of God, and we, this is what we quoted last week, but the word of God is near you, in your mouth and in your hearts, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God and walk in his ways and keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in all the land 
which you go to possess. This is interesting. Here's a warning. Verse 17. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in land which you cross over to the Jordan to go into and possess. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will make these words uh, relevant to us in our life. Uh, we don't live by the law. We don't open the book of Deuteronomy and read it and try to do and do and do and obey the Ten Commandments. But we are interested, Lord, in what you have said and how in our lives that we can prosper how in our lives that we can live long and have rest because we're walking in the will of God. We just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Those are interesting verses, aren't they? I love the fact that Paul refers to these verses in, in Romans chapter 10 and we're going to get to the significance of that. And when we read the Old Testament, uh, especially Deuteronomy, we have to be careful that we don't become... Uh, too critical because as we were talking with Brian earlier um, that the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament, right? So the Old Testament isn't washed away, but it's completed in the person of Jesus Christ. So we read the Ten Commandments here in Exodus and, and Deuteronomy, and we, we read some of these and they are applicable to us, right? And we read these words and it says that multiple times in this passage, do it, do it, do it, do it. And in a sense, we are concerned about the things of God. And as Ivan said, we are concerned about the thoughts of God. And we want to be able to do what God has us to do. That is very important. But in order for us to do, what has to happen first? Yeah, we have to hear. I'm going to read this joke. I'm going to read it because I'm not very good at delivering jokes. But I'm going to read it, okay? So it says, a man decided to go to the doctor because he thought his wife had lost her ability to hear. Right, that's funny in itself, right? We know where it's going. <laughs> Nervous and worried sick, he patiently waited his turn. Soon he was called into the doctor's office. The doctor smiled at him and asked him to have a seat. So what seems to be the problem, sir? The doctor asked. He says, it's not me, but it's my wife. The man began. I'm here to get some advice. Uh, and doctor replies, says, I'm all ears. That's kind of a little pun there. It's funny. <laughs> he says, I think my wife is going deaf. The man said with a nervous look on his face. And doctor asked, why do you think so? Well, she just doesn't reply to me anymore. She doesn't seem to be able to hear me, the man said. The doctor was lost in thought for a moment. Then he came up with a solution. Well, here's something that might work. First, we will need to find out how hard of hearing she is, the doctor said. The man went home and decided to try what the doctor had advised him to do. He went to the kitchen where his wife was busy cooking and said, Honey, what's for dinner? He, then there was no response. The man inched a little bit closer towards his wife and asked the question again. Honey, what's for dinner? Still, there was no reply. The man kept moving closer and closer and asking the same question, and his wife just would not respond to him. At this point, the man was pretty sure that his wife was going deaf after all. 
With, a little, with little hope left, he finally stood a few inches apart from her and asked the same question, Honey, what's for dinner? I am super hungry. His wife responds, For the tenth time, I said, we're having meatloaf for dinner. <laughs> yes, yeah, the husband who couldn't hear. And I was... <laughs> And I just thought this story was so funny because, for one, it's so true, you know? That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. You know, but for two, I thought it was a great picture of us with God, isn't it? Amen. How many times do we go to God and we are asking Him something and we yell to God and we repeat ourselves over and over and over again? And we think God is the one with a problem. Now, all of us are theologically amazing, so we would never say God has a problem. <laughs> but in our practical application in everyday life, we often accuse God of not hearing us. And then finally, when we get close, and that is the key part of the story, is that the man got really close to his wife. Then he is the one who could finally hear her. It is the same thing with us as believers. And it is a funny story, but we find ourselves that too often we are so far away from God that we can never hear the voice of God. So Deuteronomy 30.11 tells us something very interesting that is the opposite of this. He is saying, like, you are not the commandments of God or the words that God has spoken to you, meaning the book of Deuteronomy, the law, the commandments that I have spoken, the things that I have revealed to you, they are not, and he mentions two words, they are not mysterious and they are not far off. These two words are very important for us to understand because that word mysterious actually means that they are not only hidden, some of your translations might say hidden, but that they are also separated from us. They are something separate. You know, if the word of God is something that is separate from us, then it becomes very mysterious, doesn't it? But if the word of God is something that is a part of my life, there are questions, but it is not mysterious. And it is amazing here that, the, that, that Moses is telling the people of Israel that, that the word of God is not something that has been dif different or something that is no longer a part of your culture or no longer is a part of you. But now that this word of God in itself has become something that is a part of your very being. And that is what God's desire is in our life, that His Word would become a part of our very being. That doesn't mean that we understand every single thing. That doesn't mean that we uh, have no questions and we have all the answers. That doesn't mean that um, our life is perfect. But what it does mean is that the Word of God is living and it is active in my very own life and is not something that is abstract and is not something that I do not have a relationship with. Does the Bible have dust on it on your shelf? Is it something where the pages are starting to fall out? I mean, very practically speaking, that you use your Bible, but more importantly than that, that when you read it, that God begins to communicate something to you. Because there's two levels here. There is the one level here that Moses is talking about where there is a doing. 
Do, 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 do. And, you know, yes, there is something that we should do. We should have the word of God open. We should be in our church. We should communicate the Bible with each other. But what good is that if there is nothing inside? That word of God is not communicating in your spirits. In your soul, there is something that is being communicated. You know, that your soul, this is interesting and this is something you would learn in Bible school. This, your soul is the part of you that, that is um, communicating to the things of this world uh, every day. Uh, but your spirit is that part of you which is communicating with spiritual things. So as you begin to open the word of God and the word of God comes into your life, it becomes something that is not mysterious but becomes very personal to me. And that's the next word that... That, that, that Moses uses, he says, it is not afar off, which means that in my life today, in this place, and at this time, it is very useful. That's what that word means. It's not far off. Meaning, like, to me, like, we read the Bible, and that's one of the attacks. Like, that was a book that was written by man thousands of years ago. That is... Um, you know, we hear a lot of attacks about it actually today. You know, this, that is something that is written by others a long time ago, and it is not relevant to me in, in my life. But when we read Hebrews chapter 4, what do we read about the Word of God? It is sharp and powerful, and it is alive. The Word of God is alive today, meaning like it becomes very useful to me in this time and in this place in my life. And that is why I could read a Bible verse at different times of my life, in different places of my life, and I read that Bible verse, and it means something new to me and something personal because the Word of God is alive. And that is what Moses and that is what Paul was saying in Romans chapter 10. He is saying this very same thing, that the Word of God is not abstract and it is not impersonal. It is something that is designed for you to have a relationship with. And if you do not have a relationship with it, we're going to find out here, that it is impossible for you to do it. And actually what we're really going to find out is that people that are impersonal with the Word of God, people that are abstract with the Word of God, they are always concerned about the doing of the Word, and they're not concerned about the worshiping of God. Because the real issue that we're going to find out here in these passages is not the doing. Because the cursing doesn't come after the neglect of doing. The cursing comes after the neglect of worshiping God. Very important thing. That is the heart of the matter. See, we always want to make the quick fix, don't we? Let's fix, let's make that quick fix. So, you know, that's what the doing is. If I can adjust my doing, then it reveals that everything is okay and then my life is going to be okay faster. But Christianity isn't about the doing, right? I like this little phrase, like we're not human doings, are we? We are human beings. And we are designed in the image of God and we are created in some aspect to be who Christ is. So that way when Christ comes into our life, we read the New Testament, and what does he do to us? He makes us alive. And we become the being that we were designed to be. 
And we become less concerned about the doing, and we are so concerned about who God really is. But it's interesting here. We read in verses um, verse 12, 13, and 14, we read this phrase, do it, right? Let's, let's read those. At the very end of 12, it says that we may hear it and do it. At the end of verse 13, that we may hear it and do it. And 14, it is in your, you know, it is near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Um, how many of you guys have an ESV translation of the Bible that you're reading right now? Yeah, it's a good translation. I, I read it at home. I mean, I read it ESV, NASB, and this is the New King James. And, you know, I'm not going to go down that road of translations because it doesn't matter a ton. I think you should just read your Bible. <laughs> but the ESV brings out an interesting point. Um, actually, you know, could you read verse uh, Deuteronomy 30, 11 in the ESV, David? I thought you were saying that I had the right. I don't know if I got it. Uh, Verse 11, in the ESV. It says it a little different, and I have a little bit of a problem. Yeah, go ahead. Just stand up. Okay. <laughs> this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far, far off. Yeah. So a lot of scholars point to the fact that, okay, like Moses is given the law and his concern is that we are doing it. And that translation, the ESV says, it is not too hard for you. You know, the new King James uses mysterious. King James uses the word difficult or something like that. You know, so it's a different word. But the point is I'm saying is like, is the issue that the, word, the commandment of the law is hard for me? Is the issue that I am busy doing it? And I am proposing the idea that the issue in this passage isn't the fact that the, that the law of God is difficult or not. The issue of this passage isn't that I am doing or not doing the word of God. The issue is something very different. Now, let me ask another question. What are the three enemies of the Christian? Satan? The flesh, the world, yeah, the world, the flesh, the devil. Now, what one of these things can I control? The flesh, the world. Oh, yeah, here, Adam groaning over there. He sounds like a Maynard. Yeah, can we control any of them? Yeah, I, you know, I think in some aspects we can control the flesh, but ultimately I don't think we can control any of these. Now let me uh, look at the, let's look at these verses. Let's turn to Exodus chapter thirty-two. This is interesting. Exodus thirty-two. I love it. Verse one. The Lord spoke to Moses. Oh, whoops, reading the wrong verse. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed. Isn't that interesting? When they saw Moses is up in, in, at the mountain and he is getting ready to receive the Ten Commandments from God. But the people are down at the bottom of the mountain. And it's amazing too because before Moses even went up to the mountain, 
the people ask, you go up for us because we don't want to communicate with God. We want somebody to communicate for us. So Moses goes up, and he is communicating God on behalf of the Israelites. And they felt, in their own hearts, they felt that God delayed. Kind of like the man talking to his wife. Hey, honey, what's for dinner? Do you hear me? Why are you delaying? Hey, honey, what's for dinner? Hey, honey, what's for dinner? Should I go out to eat myself? You know, there was a delay in the response. So what did they do as soon as they saw that Moses delayed? Chapter 32 is they created an idol. They created an idol. And what did they begin to do? They begin to worship the idol. All because in their feelings, they became impatient and waiting for Moses to come down. How many days? It was only like 40 days or something. Like, you know, can you wait 40 days for God? I mean, could you wait years for God to do something? Could you wait for God? And in the delay, it, 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 it motivates me. It, it, it impels me to worship another God and say, this is the God that brought me out of Israel. Uh, hello? Ten plagues? Actually, for the, the Jews, they were ten miracles. <laughs> ten miracles? And you're going to worship a golden cow? I mean, you five guys? You're going to worship five guys? Come on, guy. Come on. But the, the, why this is so interesting to me is, let's turn back to chapter 24. Because this is what really provokes me. And this is why I say, when we look at the three enemies of the Christian, we are unable to control any of them. We are not. We can manipulate and change my flesh minute, but we cannot change the hearts, can we? 24. Uh, sorry, Exodus 24. I don't know what I said. Exodus 24. Verse 7. It says, Moses, oh, they took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people. And they said, all the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. Isn't that an... Yeah, who said, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, isn't this amazing? The audacity that they have to look at the Ten Commandments and to see what God is commanding, that they could hear it and they could have that ability to say, okay, God, you have said this and we are going to listen and we are going to obey everything that you do. A couple chapters later, they're worshiping a cow. That is my flesh. That is my ability to reform my flesh. See, the thing is that in my life, we are not interested as Christians. We're not into reforming the flesh. We are into crucifying the flesh. Bring it to the cross, to a place where it cannot live and it must die. Because Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground, and what? And dies. And dies. See, my flesh has to die. I cannot reform my flesh. Don't try to make yourself better. I mean, I, I'm all interested in, I understand, as Christians, we should be good people. I'm, we should be a city on the lights. And if we do good, we will be, in one sense, rewarded. I'm not saying, like, our faith should not have action. 
But I'm saying that we cannot reform the outside and leave the inside unchanged. And that is what the world is so busy trying to do, is we are so busy trying to change the outside, and we leave the inside untouched by God, and the word of God becomes a mystery, and it becomes a far off, and there's no relationship with God's word in my life. I mean, even the disciples were guilty of that at times, right? Lord, Master, we don't understand. Tell us what you mean. Why do you speak in parables? So that way they don't understand, and that way the simple can. See, there is something about it, and we see it in 1 Corinthians, that there is something about the wisdom of God where he teaches his words, and he teaches it in such a way to us that it is amazing, and it, is the, it brings life, and it brings power, and it brings authority, and it brings change in my life. And so the world, they are saying, why are you so foolish? Oh, you're still doing that Christian thing. Oh, you're still preaching. I mean, how many of us, I mean, maybe some of us have had great opportunities in life. I mean, Pastor Gary, you know, did you have, I don't, I don't know, maybe he could have been a movie star. I mean, you, you kind of look like you'd be a country singer, maybe. I don't know. You can see a banjo on your knee. <laughs> I mean, in a, in a way, we can look and we can say, in my life and in my flesh, there are great opportunities. I mean, after all, we're in America, right? Amen. We work hard, and we can do anything we want. And I mean it. I mean, my grandmother went back to nursing school in her 40s and became a nurse and made a living for herself. I mean, she worked hard, and she did it. A lot of people can't say that. you know. But see, in our Christian life, we take these things and we say no, because that is the world's wisdom. That is not what God is saying. I can't do these things. And it's interesting when we read the quotation of these verses in the book of Romans, Romans 10. He says, you know, Paul says all those things, but he never says to do it. He never mentions the words to do it. He never mentions the words to do it. Remember that last week when we were reading that? I mean, let's, uh, let's read it again. For this is the commandment which I command you today that is not too mysterious, that is not too far off. And he reads all those things, but verse 14, the word of God is very near in your mouth and in your heart, and then he stops. He stops. Because... In the new covenant, in the church age, in our life today, we are not so concerned about obeying the law to a T, but we are more concerned about having a relationship with the word, with the living word, with the logos, the person, the word of God. And that's what it says in verse 14 in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. That word for word is rhema. It is not commandments, it is not statutes, it's not judgments, but it is, and it is not logos. It is the word rhema. And rhema is very important for us to understand. And we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I just want to read uh, what rhema means. It is something in the word of God revealed to us by what? Revealed to us by the Holy Spirit to the believer specifically needed in today's detail of life. 
See, what happens is that the word of God is spoken. I can open to the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy and 1 Corinthians and Joel and Jonah. And I can read these abstract books in the Old Testament that was written to a people that is far removed from me today. And I can read those things. And what happens is that the Holy Spirit comes into my life. And he takes the logos, he takes the written word, and he says, I have something for you personally in this life that is meant for you right now in this place. Because it is not too far. It is not too far. It is for you. That is what the word rhema means. So let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 14. This is amazing. I mean, there's so much. We could continue a series about the Word of God. This is the second Sunday. We've done it for three Thursdays now about the Word of God. And we could, could, could continue. Pastor Schaller talked about it this morning, which is funny, you know, how God does that. You know, different preachers, different churches preaching the same thing. And it wasn't planned. I love it. You know, John 14. Twenty-six, But the helper, I like the King James here a little bit better because the comforter, because what do I need in my soul, in my daily life, what do I need? I need help. I need comfort. You know, there's things that are happening on the outside that are affecting me in my soul and in my spirit. And I need the Holy Spirit to come into my life and help me in my spirit. I need help and I need comfort. And where does it come from? This verse is amazing because I always read this verse and it is a promise by um, Jesus to the apostles that the Holy Spirit is going to come in the future. Now he already has. But this is a promise, something that's going to come. But it's interesting what he mentions. Let's read this. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. Listen, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance what. All things that I have said. See, what is happening here in John chapter 14, verse 26, is that the Holy Spirit is bringing things into rhema, what God has already said in his word. God has already said something in his word. You know, the word of God contains all things that pertain to life. You have an issue in your life. God has an opinion about it in his word. And yes, you might not be able to look it up word for word and, you know, which job should I take? Let me, uh, you know, read First Peter. Let me read Colossians. Oh, that's going to tell me what job to take. No, that's not going to happen. But by having a relationship, having a rhema with the word of God, having, having a walk with God, what will happen through the Holy Spirit is that he's going to give you something special and he will reveal it to you. It is amazing. There are some other verses of what happens to us if we're not careful. Hebrews chapter 3. It's an amazing chapter. Talking about the Jews being stiff-necked, the Israelites being stiff-necked in the desert. Verse 12, he says, Take care, brothers, lest there be, be in you, be in, be in any of you evil. The strong word there, evil unbelieving hearts. You know, what is your heart? What does that mean? Very simply, in psychology, the heart is that part of us that gives us motivation for life. Okay? It is that part that gives us motivation. It's what makes us do what we do. 
Okay, so in our hearts, if in our motivation there is unbelief in God and there is evil towards God, what's going to happen? I'm going to be led away from the living God. I'm going to be led away from who God is. See, if I am not careful, and in Deuteronomy 30.11, and the word of God becomes mysterious, if it is hiding and it is afar off, if it is not personal, if there is no logos and if there is no rhema in my life, I am going to be led away from the living God. And then back to Deuteronomy 30, what happens in my life? I have death and I have evil instead of living and good. See, if I want to prosper in my life, there is more than obedience that needs to happen. There needs to be a change in my heart, in my motivation, where I am pursuing and I am worshiping the living God. Another amazing verse is Colossians chapter 2. I like to type out my verses so that way I can get there faster than you guys. <laughs> when you're flipping through the Bible, I might lose, you know, in a sword drill. Anybody do sword drills when they were kids in Sunday school? Yeah, you did? There's like two of us, that's it? Pastor Gary probably used to teach to us and teach us to do sword drills back in the day. Yeah. Uh, Colossians 2, verse 8. Interesting. It says, Beware lest any, anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Uh, the King James, I believe, it says spoil. So it, it changes that through. Instead of cheats you, he says spoil you. See, what happens when we listen to the words of this world, when we listen to their wisdom and their vain philosophy, what happens is that it spoils our soul. And we're not going towards a living God. We no longer believe in the living Christ. And that's what happens. 73% of Christians go into college and they leave not believing in God anymore, becoming atheists. And I have several friends of my, that have been in Bible school with me. They sat there and they worked hard and they did their homework and they gave messages. And they preached the word of God and they went on missions trips and they led people to Christ and guess what? Today, they went to college, and now they no longer believe in Christ. It's not the college's fault. Yes, the college has some good things they teach you, but they also have some vain philosophy. But it's not the college's fault that they, that they were led astray. It wasn't the college's fault that they were spoiled. It wasn't the college's fault that they were cheated. It was their own fault that they were led astray. It was their own fault that they didn't hear the word of God and that the written word became personal in their life and that they themselves didn't choose to worship the one true God. You know, Aaron, whose fault is it? Oh, they forced me to make a God. That's what Aaron said. See, that's what man does over and over again. You forced me. You forced me. Why? Because God was silent? Because he didn't justify you? Because he didn't answer your questions? See, sometimes God will not justify your position. Sometimes God will not justify your actions. Sometimes God will be quiet for years. I mean, Abraham had 13 silent years from God. Preach it. 
And we like sit here and we ask God, you know, speak to me, speak to me. Why aren't you answering? Why aren't you answering? Well, you know what? I am not greater than Abraham. I'm not. I'm not greater than David. I'm not greater than Moses. And if these men went to the desert and went through silent times and they did not hear from God on God's timing and God's place, then so it's going to be the same with me. But yes, but yes, this is the amazing part. That happens, but yes, it is not far from me. God's word is not far from me. Oh, God, you're not speaking. God, you're not speaking. God, you're not speaking. But yet here he is. He's still there. Do not look at what God is doing on the outside of your life. Do not try to reform the flesh. Do not try to change your flesh. Do not try to do any of these things. But what I want to encourage you to do is begin to have a relationship with the word of God. And Jesus Christ is also called the Lord Word of God. Begin to have a real walk with God. Do not be abstract. You know, looking, you know, I, you, know you see some of those hyper-spiritual Christians, like the devil's around every corner. There's a devil there. Oh, the devil popped my tire today. I had a flat tire in my car, and it was a devil. You know, you know don't be like that, but let's be real with God. And maybe it was the devil, by the way. <laughs> But do you know what? That's the amazing thing is the only person that can say something towards that is God. Because I can't open the Bible and say, God popped my, my tire, or, you know, the devil popped my tire. I can't say that using the Bible. But what I do know is that the devil is my enemy. The world is my enemy. My flesh is my enemy. And I know they are actively at war with my spirit and the spirit that God has put inside of me. And its design is to lead me away, to spoil me, and to cheat me from the word of God that he has given me. I mean, you read the parable of sowers, right, Adam? We talked about this on Thursday night. Many were cheated. The word was stolen many times. And I am saying today, don't quit. You know, we are a small group here. We could be frustrated. You know, somebody asked me the other day, they asked me if I was frustrated that there's not so many people in the church. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I was in China for five years and there was like three people. It's like, and I didn't speak the language, you know. For the first two years of me being in China, I had food poisoning once a month. I mean, I think I could handle, you know, not so many people in these chairs. Because you know what? It doesn't matter what is happening on the inside. What, what frustrates me is when the word of God is stolen. When people are cheated out of the word of God. When there is victory and there is life on the craft, on, on people's grasp. And they could, they could gain it and they could have a victory. And they could be raising a banner over their life saying, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord has provided. Yet it doesn't happen. Why? It's not God. Hey, God. Hey, honey. What was for dinner? Can you hear me? Actually, I'm hungry. <laughs> She's back there somewhere. I'm hungry. <laughs> honey, what's for dinner? I'm hungry. Oh, you're not answering me. You know, my wife has so many problems. Doctor, help me, help me, help me. You know, I'm reading a book for Christian counseling, and it says, 
No, actually, no, it's not Christian counseling. Uh, it's an interesting book. Uh, you know, I'm very careful recommending books. So when you read a book, you know, take it with a grain of salt, okay? But I was, I was um, yeah, I don't even remember the name, so God doesn't want me to say it. But the idea of the book was saying, was like, I shouldn't be so focused on changing other people around me, but I myself need a change. Yeah. Don't be so focused on what is happening around you and the things that need to change. Like, David, what needs to change in your life? You know, not your job. I mean, I don't know if there's a problem with your job. Not your roommate. You don't have one. <laughs> you know, not the city you live in. Not your governments. Not, you know, not these things. What needs to change is me. And I'm not saying this in a condemning way, but in a sense, like, if I draw closer to God, I am like a Psalm chapter 1 man or woman where I am... Firmly planted by a river of living water. And I don't feel the heat. I don't feel the storm. I don't feel it when it comes. Because if you think it's bad now, imagine if we were living in the book of Revelations. I mean, some of us think that we could be close to it. But do you know what? It's going to get much worse. Our governments are going to get worse. The pestilence and the earthquakes and the tornadoes. It is going to get very worse. It's going to get so bad. But do you know what? My God, I am, I am soaking up that living water. The word of God is alive, and I want it in my life, and I want it in my life. And that is why I wanted, um, I wanted Ivan to give a testimony, because he doesn't want to be a missionary. He doesn't want to be a pastor. He doesn't want to be a leader in his church. He just wants to know God. That's what Bible college is for. Don't, don't think if you're coming to Bible college, you need to become a, a Christian professional. No, it's so that way you can get to know your Savior, so you can get to know your Bible and answer questions. And, then, and you can begin to learn how to answer questions. Learn the Word of God. Become close with God. Because, again, John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit is our helper. And how does He help us? He doesn't coddle you, He's not your coddler. That's not what it says. You know, I think of comfort, I think of coddling. You know, oh, baby Elias, you know, you scraped your knee. I feel so sorry for you. <laughs> you know, pet his little hair, put some Neosporin on. All right, let's go get McDonald's french fries. You know, let's, you know, you know I, the Holy Spirit isn't a coddler. He is a helper, and what he is doing is he's bringing to life what he has already said in his word. And that could come through what you read. It could come through what you hear. It could come through what you, you know, read in devotional or what you read in a prayer book. The Holy Spirit's job, he brings to life that which has already been said. That which, and this is amazing, that which has already been established. There are certain things in this book that are already established in my life. And God is... The Holy Spirit is there to bring them to life. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we pray that this was true to, to your character and to your word. We don't want to preach heresy. I don't want to be burned to a stake here. <laughs> yeah, we just want to be true to your word and to your nature. We want to provoke us uh, in truth, but also in grace. 
And we just ask that you will be with us in our fellowship as we go out and as we eat and as we fellowship here and as we live our day, daily life this week. Uh, be with us. We pray for VBS. We have 40 packets for crafts. We're expecting 40 or more kids. So we pray for no less than 40, not too many more than 40. You know, we pray for the concerts. We pray for the baseball. And we pray, Lord, that you will draw all men unto you. And you will provoke people into a walk with God. We just love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.